Hello and welcome to a Stephen Lawrence Day special edition of the Education Policy Podcast for England. In this episode, we speak to community members and staff Letitia and Christopher about their experiences. We hear about learning opportunities and training. What can we do to challenge racism and all types of discrimination? And we listen to a poem by Paul Lyles in memory of Stephen Lawrence. So hello and welcome to the April edition of the Education Policy Podcast for England from Community Union. This month's a really special episode as it's a Stephen Lawrence Day special. As some of you may know, the 22nd of April is Stephen Lawrence Day and we're working with the Stephen Lawrence Day Foundation to raise awareness of this across the world of work and education. And as part of our work with the Stephen Lawrence Day Foundation, Today, we're going to bring you a couple of interviews, and we're going to kick off in a moment with an interview with our very own Letitia McCalla. Martin and I caught up with Letitia last week and had a chat to her about her life experiences. So I'd like to start by welcoming our very own Letitia McCalla to the podcast. Hi, Tish. Hi, Rob. Some of you may remember Letitia's appearance on the podcast back in uh, 2021 on an episode about the early years section. Uh, she's our early years lead and she's kindly given up some time today to talk about her experiences growing up in the UK as a black woman. So Letitia, on that subject, I wondered if you'd get us started on some of your experiences as a younger person growing up, moving towards the work of world, if that makes sense. Yeah, no problem, Rob. Um, first of all, I'd just like to say thank you for having me on the podcast. I think Stephen Lawrence Day is, you know, really important. So I'm really happy to be to be part of the podcast today. Talking about my experiences as a as a black well child growing up in in Britain, I think. As I was when I was younger, I didn't really notice many many changes. I I, I lived in a community that was quite diverse, um, so the school that I went to was was very diverse. But I would say I started to maybe notice some challenges as I left school and started to become like look towards going into employment. So was your your time at school relatively positive in in your memory? Yeah, definitely. I think there was definitely you know sometimes name calling and 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 things like that um but i think predominantly because i was in a in a school that was very diverse both primary and secondary i wouldn't say it was anything that jumped out as, as me at me as unusual and also the extracurriculum activities that i did as a as a, when i was younger was being part of the caribbean carnival and so oh, well. that was that was really directly related to my culture. So it's always been a big part of your life. Yeah, definitely. Kind of culture. So I think you mentioned there like some challenges as you sort of came towards leaving school. How mm-hmm. did those challenges sort of manifest themselves? What were the first sort of challenges you began to encounter? Well, I'd say when I first started going for interviews, I noticed that the people that interviewed me, none of them were black which I suppose kind of made me feel a little bit out of sorts sometimes and also the formalities I would say of of, of completing a CV and getting ready for interview and and attending interviews and then also starting employment it was different to what I had been used to growing up because it, it wasn't really diverse. When you say that the people interviewing you uh, weren't black, 
were you ever introduced to anybody at any of those businesses you know was you were being shown around the building or anything that anyone that kind of that, that represented more of a diverse background in any of those workplaces what became apparent to me was that there was very few so yes there may have been one other black person or one other asian or another ethnicity but predominantly it was it was a a, a white a white workforce and that and that was that was in a couple of jobs that I went that I went into actually do you mind me asking what sort of sectors those jobs were in you know you know what what kind of environments were were those that were that were just not that diverse okay so my first job was retail um, yeah. When I was around 16, and then my second job was local authority so job. You've grown up in quite a culturally diverse environment in Derby, I believe. You've mm-hmm. grown up in around that area. You've you know you've got a you've got a culturally diverse set of friends, perhaps at school yeah. and classmates. But as soon as you start to move into the world of work in retail, in the public sector, mm-hmm. that diversity just seems to to disappear. Yeah, and then I suppose what that did was it made me not show parts of my of me that I would have usually showed because I didn't want to not that I didn't want to stand out that's probably the wrong word that there just wasn't it wasn't there and I didn't want it to be viewed as I didn't want to be judged. Do you think Rob you and I were talking about this with regards to exam qualifications and exam board topics do you think Letitia that there should be a greater representation of different backgrounds, different disabilities within the media and the stuff that we look at at schools? And do you think schools have a role to play in exposing children to a much greater diversity of upbringing and background? Most definitely. I think anything that schools can do to make children more aware of all of the diversities and, and as you said, different backgrounds, different sexualities, whatever it is, I think there's a a big piece of work to do there. And if you can learn that at school, because that's the other thing, at school, I think the only thing I actually learned about my own culture or my history was was slavery. And that's the only part that I can remember that that I learned about at school. I think there's much more that could be done in terms of teaching them about different cultures, but also about what's out there. Do you think that that put a lid on your aspirations as a child at all? Do you think that that maybe even unconsciously stopped you from aiming for the stars, as lots of teachers might tell their children to do? Do you think it maybe stopped you from wanting to do certain jobs or go into certain lines of work because you didn't think that that was something you could do because you'd never seen people like yourself doing that before you? One thousand percent. There's definitely some jobs that I just felt were not in my league. So, for example, being an MP, forget it or a doctor there's just certain jobs that I just never even thought were in my capabilities or 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 available to me I'm aware that the media plays a big role in people um, developing an identity for themselves and how they see themselves in the world and what groups they see themselves belonging to how much of a role do you think the media played for you uh, growing up in terms of you developing uh, your identity there was no show I can't I can't say I seen any show that assisted me with my identity. To be honest, actually, just thinking back, there were a few American kind of TV shows, children's shows that yeah. were based around black families. 
Um, and I suppose I could have related to those. But apart from that, in terms of, you know, I never seen any documentaries about 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 black people. The the soaps were predominantly white people, most of media and television. I do think that I think I've seen a particular improvement within TV over the last year or so where I have started to see much more documentaries and and TV programs that that are about black people or um, that I can relate to. Just moving on a little bit then, perhaps our listeners won't know, but you're a parent. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got three relatively young children at the moment. Do you, do you think that it's any different for them now? I think there's still a way to go. Uh, uh, you know, there's still improvements that need to be made, Rob. There's still there's still a way to go, to be honest. Whilst I think there there has been an improvement, it's nowhere where it needs to be. I don't think at this stage, because I'd say the programmes I've actually watched are plus 18 programs documentaries it's not stuff that is that I think my children would would necessarily sit down and watch I guess part two of that question of my question on this point is you know you were talking about the only thing you ever got taught about in schools relating to your uh, cultural history was slavery has that changed? I have to talk for each each child because I've actually got a child in each phase of education right. except for further education so I've got my daughter she's in nursery um, I've got a son who's in primary and uh, my eldest she's in secondary now my eldest who's in secondary I would say that that has definitely improved she has learned about um, some of the brilliant black inventors she's doing a lot of artwork there's lots that she's learned in terms of her culture whereas my son I think it's it still needs to be improved. There's not a lot that they do in that school. And that's something that, you know, I do mention to them. And again, at nursery level. Um, but again, if you look at where they're placed, my eldest goes to a secondary school in a city, right in the middle of the city that is very diverse. My youngest, they go into a primary school and nursery in a not diverse part of mm. the city. Do you think anything in that sense, you know, I guess thinking back to your own childhood again and your first Mm -hmm. experiences of racism, do you think anything's changed in 20 years? In all, to be brutally honest with you, and I have to be brutally honest with you, otherwise there's no point in me coming on this podcast. It depends where you are in the country. I'm one of the caseworkers in the in the union and so I can sometimes be expected to travel all over the country and there has been certain areas that I've gone to where I feel extremely uncomfortable but what I would say that is positive is that is becoming less and less there's been improved there has been improvement in my experiences but again there's still a long way to go I think I think we can it's important that we recognize improvement whilst acknowledging there's still you know a ton of work to do isn't it you know mm-hmm. I don't think we can we can we can rest on our laurels and say oh well, we've been doing this for however long and that's improved and we've got this on the syllabus at schools now there's still loads and loads more to do I, I, absolutely so I guess it's relatively easy for us as in society to recognize direct racism what about indirect racism, particularly like in schools? You know, I guess examples are, are that kind of spring to mind is um, 
uniform or hairstyle expectations being drawn in line with I guess what we would broadly call sort of white culture rather than black culture in that sense is that something that you still find pervasive in in education I think it's definitely still there in some instances but I can only really talk from my my personal experiences and it's you know I do visit a lot of schools and you know the vast majority of places that I go to I get the feeling that they're trying to embrace cultures and diversity now but I I do feel that there are still probably some establishments that are pushing those narratives that that aren't correct. I think this has been so so interesting and and and, um, I've found it really uh, informative and really um I don't want to use the word interesting again, but I can't think of another one to, to listen to you. And, um, and I really, really appreciate you taking the time to, to come and talk to us. And I guess if we can just finish maybe on, let's try and finish on a bit of a positive, I suppose. What are some of the hopes and the aspirations that you have for, for your children in the future? No problem. I'm really pleased that I could um, come today and um, share some of my experiences. I hope that, you know, if it doesn't end, if it doesn't do anything else, it it helps to raise awareness and helps to educate people about the experiences that um, I as a black woman has faced. But yes, yeah, some of the aspirations that I have um, looking forward, I think as I've, I kind of have tried to mention today, all of the progress and improvements that I have seen over over the years. But in terms of what I would like to see more of and going forward is, you know, let's put some more more into education that educates children about the different cultures and the different backgrounds and and helps them get them fully ready for the working world. I want my children to have fair opportunities. I want by the time that they get get older that they are seeing some people that look like them in those top positions. I hope that we get to a stage where, you know, racial comments aren't being made anymore or there isn't an unconscious bias. But yeah, I continue to do what I can do and I'm sure if everybody else can can chip in, we will get there eventually. Yeah, it was really interesting and eye-opening to chat to Letitia uh, for that interview. Uh, Martin, we've got something really, really special next uh, that I think Mm. you'd like to introduce. Yes, it is our absolute pleasure and privilege to be able to present to you uh, a performance of the poem Any Bus Stop by Paul Lyles. Um, We've recorded children's voices reading these words. um, And I just think this is an absolutely brilliant tribute to Stephen Lawrence. Any bus stop in England in memory of Stephen Lawrence. He was one, they were more. They were above the law. At the bus didn't come, his journey was over before it had barely begun. They walk, he has fallen. They laugh and talk. His voice has been stolen that the bus does that did not open. Justice stays closed and unspoken. They are free, living in a world that allows us to be, unquestioned by friends and family, in a system that allows complicity. Like some bus of old, that allowed segregation, not recognising we all deserve the same destination. Living goes on in a world of different skin. His life briefly shone, remembered as a beautiful thing. Change takes so long, but change we have to bring until the hatred has gone like the wars that didn't come. Next time, it might be your son. Wow, what a wonderful poem. Really, really hard hitting. 
um, and wonderful to hear some young people reading it for us on the podcast, a, a, a real special moment for us. And if you want to see that or hear it again, you can go onto our social media sites, uh, which are, as usual, facebook.com forward slash community union at community union on Twitter. And you can also find us on Instagram. Shortly after we got the chance to speak with Letitia, Martin was able to speak with one of our members, Christopher Knight. Christopher is a prison officer in our justice sector, and Martin had a chat with him about his experiences in work and as a parent. Thanks for that, Rob. Yes, uh, it's my absolute privilege and pleasure to be able to welcome uh, Chris Knight, community officer and member to talk with us as well. Now, Chris, you grew up in, in Jamaica and now you're a community officer working in uh, the prison sector. Can you tell me a little bit about how your experiences have contributed to the work that you do and also how you as a person of colour are regarded by the people that you work with? What is what is the response of the prisoners to uh, a person of colour when, when they see you walking around the prison? Uh, thank you, Martin. Thank you for to having me here. Well, coming from Jamaica and coming to England and start working in the prison service, it's, it's different because when I start working in the prison service, there are not many ethnic minority people. So I was like number five in my prison. Wow. It seems strange. And um, but when you look at the prisoner, there is a lot of ethnic minority prisoner, but to compare to the officer, it's totally different. Well, what I find is that they don't understand the culture of the prisoner, and then we used to get a lot of general alarm because officer used to think that. For instance, when you look at a Jamaican, a Jamaican like to play domino, but they like to shout. And once you hear on the landing shouting, you may think that, oh, general alarm, somebody being assaulted or something like that, while when they're having fun. So that was very strange when I go, oh, that is the culture. And I saw them react when they feel excited. And then with me as a prison officer, it's hard to have someone to teach you what you need to know of to do your job properly. And you still have to think out the box and do my own research because my counterparts and my colleagues won't show me. Is, is that because they feel you should already know um, as, a, as a qualified officer or is that all on account of, of the difference in skin colours? It's a difference of skin colour because when I see my other counterpart, they show them everything and walk with them and tell them, oh, yeah, you need to do this, you need to do that, and so on. And I go, but nobody showed me these things, so why? What's the difference? And how does that make you feel? I feel sad. And I go, what? We all? Because I overlook on it is that I will trust you to have your back 24-7 because in the environment we're working to is very dangerous. And you need somebody to support you all the time. But when you see something like that, they go, wow. So it's like they want to show that I'm not qualified enough to do the job. So with that, when I'm on a night night shift, I just go around and ask experienced officer how to do things from different units and do my own research and then get all those information where I need to know. And then with that, no, I don't rely on them no more. So you've now 
been in the prison service for quite a while and, and got a lot of experiences. How has it changed? Not much difference. It's the same. But what I do know is as soon as anyone joins, I always take them aside and explain to them, I say, this is what you need to know. This is what you're not supposed to need to know yet. That's not important yet. But this is what is very, very important to know because I got you and I tell them my experience. Oh, I felt when I just started, I know one show me anything. And it makes you feel depressed and worthless. So soon as an ethnic minority, uh, anyone tell but most ethnic minority, I always sit down with them, tell them what they need to know, ask them if they need any help and try to assist them at the best of my ability. It's really disappointing for me to hear that the treatment that you and other ethnic minorities are experiencing is different to the way that other people are treated. I think it's completely and utterly wrong. And that's why, as a union, we're supporting Stephen Lawrence Day to try and bring about some real change here. What sort of hopes do you have for the future? I know you're a dad. So what sort of hopes uh, and aspirations maybe do you have for your own children uh, as, as well as for the prison service in general? So my hope is that one day racism will be stamping out because when I look at it, no one born racist. Everyone thought to be racist. And if, you, if, if you've been taught to be racist, you can be untaught to be anti-racist. And that is my goal is to teach everyone and show everyone. For instance, in the prison, in my prison where I'm at, we have a program going on, Let, let's talk. We're officer, we can talk about anything, talk about your person. You're not just a black and white. You're a person, you're the dad, you're the brother, you're the sister, you're everything. So each other get to know each other now. And it worked very well. We are now more people will come out and go, whoa, you cannot say something like that. You cannot let that people feel that way. So it's changing, but it's very slow. But I don't want my kids to grow up in a society where racism is in their future, we got to stamp it out. And to stamp out racism, you you cannot look at the negative all the time. You need to just push for the positive. The attitude that you've got is fantastic. It's brilliant to hear you speaking so positively. Can you tell me a little bit about being a dad now and what it's like for your children growing up? Maybe you could tell us a little bit about their aspirations for the future? Being a dad, no, with my kids, explain to them and said they will face racism, but just hold your head up high. Don't let that hurt your feelings because, as I said, some people are just jealous. They're jealous of you. They're jealous of your ability. So don't use that to don't reach for your goal, reach for your future because you can make it. Is that something that they have experienced? Not really at school, because where my kids go to school is a multicultural school, so they don't face that. But I know they will face it. It's a thing where you will face in your life. Because I never used to face racism until I come to Britain. <laughs> it's just weird, but... Do you have any other strategies that you might want to share with our listeners for how they can challenge and tackle racism if they see it, if they're victims themselves or if they're just witnesses? What can they do? Speak up. Challenge a person. But challenge a person in a, a nice way. Don't be aggressive because being aggressive is not going to achieve nothing. 
but speak up to the person, explain to the person how you feel and how, because sometimes the person say it, but they don't understand the consequences and how you feel about it. But if you explain to the person and say, no, I'm not happy with what you said because this is how I feel. And I'm a person, I got feeling. How you feel if it, the table turn? So you have to let people have to talk to each other so people can understand and stamp it out because you see something wrong and you may stand there and hear somebody racist abuse somebody else and you do nothing to stop it you are part of it yeah i i agree it's absolutely vital that we that we challenge it what i'm getting from you and what what leticia shared is we must challenge it what I do know from a lot of our members is they don't always know how to. You know, your advice there is very, very simple, but effective. I know that I'm going to be uh, speaking a little bit later with Lisa and she's going to be giving us some more tips on how to manage uh, racist incidents in the workplace and how to challenge them and also let us know about a few of the training courses that community can offer uh, in order to support that Christopher it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and community is is absolutely with you supporting you 100% and everybody to make that change in the workplace so thanks for joining us today Christopher well, it's a great interview, Martin, and we're really lucky we've been able to speak to these people this week and put this special podcast together. But we're not finished quite yet. Now we're going to hand over to Lisa Francis, one of Community's learning organisers, to tell us a little bit more about the learning opportunities and training that are available as community members to help us to understand a little bit more about what we can do to challenge racism and all types of discrimination that we might encounter in the workplace. Over to you, Lisa. Through Community Learn, we can provide opportunities for you to increase your knowledge in this particular topic. We have a staff skills training platform which has over 650 CPD online courses that are completely free. It can be really difficult to witness and experience racism and other forms of discrimination. Our Preventing Workplace Discrimination Certificate can give you ideas or steps to take to help. As part of the course, you will learn what a protective characteristic is details about the legislation that covers harassment and discrimination at work and tips on how to recognise a toxic working atmosphere and culture. How reviewing the hiring and promotion practices of a company can indicate the level of discrimination that you can anticipate encountering through certain language used or the exclusion of those with protective characteristics from opportunities. You will learn what a zero tolerance policy is and why your company should have one to take discrimination seriously within the workplace with consequences and information on what constitutes a fair complaint process. This can help a person understand how corporate culture and retention rates reflect the likelihood of encountering discrimination or harassment at work. What information should be in employee training programs if a workplace is serious about preventing harassment and discrimination? Learning how to develop a complaint process that is fair for everyone involved and understanding steps you should take if you witness or are the victim of harassment or discrimination at work. As well as increasing your own knowledge on racism, it is important to let others know that they should do the same and our racism awareness certificate can help do that. On this course, you will learn 
what racism is and how it manifests itself in different ways, the effects and types of racism and legal acts and laws in the UK that are designed to combat racism. You will also explore racism in schools and workplaces and steps to mitigate the problem. By doing this course, you can examine your own beliefs, stereotyping and attitudes about others. Many of us can be racist in our own approach or attitude without realising it with unconscious biases. You will be able to acknowledge the problem and become more alert to indications of it. As a parent, you can train your child to develop an anti-racist attitude. No one is born a racist. It is a learned behaviour and attitude. You will learn to treat people from other cultures with respect and dignity. Or as a boss or manager, you can create a harmonious culture that promotes equality opportunities for every employee. There are many other courses available in equality and diversity, personal development and mental health. Discrimination can have an effect on an individual's mental and physical well-being and reduce self-confidence. Our building confidence and self-esteem, mindfulness, assertiveness skills and mental health awareness modules could help. If you're interested in signing up to further training, then take a look at our dedicated Community Learn page via the Community Union website, where you can also register your interest for us to contact you, or you can contact us on learn at community-tu.org. Thank you so much for listening. That is about all we've got time for this month. Unfortunately, it's been a really special episode uh, this month and we've really enjoyed putting it together. And thank you so much to all the contributors, to the children, to Letitia, Christopher and to Lisa and to Paul Lyles for kindly giving us permission to use his special poem. As ever, you can follow us on social media. On Facebook, follow us at facebook.com forward slash community union. You can also follow community on Twitter and Instagram or visit our website, www.community-tu.org for news, shared content and resources, including the Help Centre where you can find lots of information to help you and answer many questions that you might have. If you're a member and you need advice, you can go to the help pages of the website as just described by Martin. Or you can call... Call the regional officer or the duty officer hotline. Go start that again then. If you're a member and you need some advice, you can visit the help pages that Martin has just given you the address to, or you can call or email your regional officer. Contact details are on our website, or you can call the duty hotline on 01332 372 337. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share the Education Policy Podcast with anyone you know, and we look forward to seeing you soon on another episode. Thank you.